As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Matt Goldman. And we're having 20-minute talks with entrepreneurs teaching you how to launch your product into revenue. Check out our book at howtobuildarocketship.com to reserve your launch discount and to download a free chapter. In this episode, we talked with John Sheehan, co-founder and CEO of Runscope.com. John was also an early part of the teams at Twilio and If This Then That. As you can imagine, John has a pretty unique take on how APIs should be consumed, provided, and marketed. You'll learn about how to market to developers and how to make your API docs a bit more awesome. Welcome to the Rocketship Podcast. We're here with John Sheehan, one of the co-founders and CEO of Runscope. John, welcome. 
Thanks. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. So those of, uh, of us that, that may not be familiar with what, what RunScope does, um, give us a quick overview. Sure. So we make uh, debugging and testing tools for developers who use APIs. So uh, what we're trying to do is is take this sort of new generation of API-powered applications and give the developers that build them the tools to uh, understand where, where problems arise and then uh, also sort of uh, on an ongoing basis verify that the APIs their apps depend on uh, are up and returning correct data. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about where um, you guys came up with this problem, where you identified the problem, um, and how did you get rolling in the early days? Yep. So a couple years ago, uh, I started at Twilio. I was one of the first 10 employees there. And uh, I spent my first year and a half at Twilio working on the developer evangelism program. So building that up from, I was the first full-time evangelist to a team of about 10 when I moved off of that. And uh you know, we spent a lot of time as an evangelist working with customers at that like very early stage of, of integration with an API, particularly Twilio's. But we saw a lot of that. Uh, after Twilio, I went to If This Then That, and If This Then That, Ift had like sixty five API integrations at the time. And so you, I started to see actually a lot of the same integration problems that I was seeing with Twilio customers. And this, this stuff kind of just wore me down over enough time that uh, you know I was sitting there at my job dealing with a really horrible API and not having any insight into what was happening in you know this staging environment where this one problem was happening and just feeling like I was dealing with last generation's tools or I was kind of like I had a really primitive rock when I really wanted a hammer. And so uh, uh, just started, started thinking about that and discussing ideas with a, another former Twilio colleague of mine. And we came up with this idea for this really stupid, I say stupid, it's our core business now, uh, debugging proxy that let us view any API call in any language. Any, it, it didn't matter where it was. Any public API, we could inspect it. And we started playing around with that, and it kind of like set off a lot of light bulbs in our heads. Well, like, hey, we could do this, or hey, we could do that. And so uh, about a year and a half ago, we just decided to, to you know, take the leap and and uh, start the company based around that idea. And so uh, not too long after that, we raised a seed round. Uh, that was about a year, just over a year ago. Uh, hired a team, launched initially last May, uh, built a second product called Radar, which is the automated testing uh, product. Launched that last November. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, closed an A round and now are, again, trying to keep the growth going and and adding new products and just solving more API problems for developers. So why don't you tell me how we, uh, as we build Hookfeed, how we could use RunScope? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of ways. So uh, one, during the development stage, what I tend to do is I imagine you're listening for a lot of the, the Stripe webhooks and uh, we, you know, we use Stripe too. So we, we get a lot of their webhooks back and during dev webhooks can be really sort of frustrating to deal with because you have two machines that are talking to each other and there's not necessarily an interface or a way to inspect that things are working or not. And so we sort of sit in the middle between any two uh, API calls, whether that's something you're making outgoing or something you're listening for incoming and show you all of the traffic that's going back and forth. So during dev, you can actually see the real JSON payloads or whatever other payload you're getting back from a service so you can actually write code to handle it properly, uh, which speeds up integrating with webhooks uh, tremendously. But then once you move into production, uh, there's a couple different things you want to do. One, you want to make sure that your webhook receivers are up and re- and responding properly. So that's where sort of radar comes in. It lets you hit your endpoints uh, as often as every minute or on every build or deploy and say, hey, when I send this data, do I get the rec- correct data back or is it even up or down? So you can do some monitoring for your webhook endpoints. But then along the way, if your server chokes on a given webhook event, uh, you can go into RunScope and see that it failed and then retry it right from the web. 
or if you need to change a piece of data before sending it, uh, you know, we recently had to change all our Stripe keys because of the Heartbleed thing, and we had a couple, you know, stray keys out there. And so what was happening is some requests were failing. So what we did is we edited them, we updated with the new key, and then retried them, and then we didn't miss any any messages that were going back and forth. And so we give you sort of this insurance layer between uh, two systems that you don't normally get any visibility into, uh, so that you can see what's happening and then uh, you know address problems when they arise. So. Those early days of a developer getting in with a new API or a new product are critical, and it sounds like that's where you've been involved at Twilio and if this, then that. So what does that look like for RunScope now? How are you guys ensuring that developers are getting off to a good start? Yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of time at Twilio like talking about that first five minutes when somebody hit the website and being able to get them to send a message or make a phone call within that first few minutes. And a big blocking point was that people would download the, you know, the SDKs or start making calls against the API and they would get an unexpected response, but then not know how to react to it or even not even see what the exact details of the error they were getting back. So, you know, API providers are starting to use our tools to help them get their customers up and running faster. So uh, a lot of sales teams will use us to sort of spy on uh, companies that they're that are in the in the prototyping stage so they'll say hey instead of hitting our api directly go through this url and now every time that customer makes a request to that url the sales guy can watch and see the stream of requests that are coming through and if one day they stop they know that prototyping has stopped right and call them up say hey if you run into you know a problem you know we noticed your requests have stopped or if there's start getting errors they can proactively reach out and 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 help the customer work through those errors and so it's this. I, I think it's the biggest point here is that the visibility just allows you to co- more clearly communicate around problems and problems. Integration problems are the biggest detractor for somebody using your API. And so, if you can get on the same page with with the consumer, of the API uh, at their point of the problem and actually see the the real deal and not have to you know ask them for their code and try to recreate their environment and go through all of this rigmarole just to see what was happening, uh, really makes solving problems just a lot faster. So. Uh, for API providers, they they love this ability to, um, you know, get see exactly what the the customer is sending, so they can help them faster. Yeah, that's awesome. You guys can see that. Um, so one of the things that is notoriously difficult to do is to build your your customer base in a community around a developer community. I know you've had a lot of experience with that with Twilio in the early days and taking a lot of what you've learned to run Scope. But can you talk about some of the tactics and things that are different? in going after developers versus, you know, any other kind of B2B or consumer audience. Uh, I know one of the things you've done is request bin and have a free tool out there. If you want to talk about that a little bit, or maybe even some of the other ways that you're getting in front of these people. Sure. How, how long is the show? Three, four hours? <laughs> <laughs> about 20 minutes. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll go fast then. So, uh, I think there's a couple of things that have, have served, you know, in my career well for reaching developers. One is that I'm a developer, right? So I still write code. I love writing code. I like feel the pain that our customers feel. So I'm actually writing tools that I use every day. We use RunScope for ourselves like all the time, every day to help us build RunScope itself. And so, you know, prior to Twilio, I was, you know, building a popular .NET REST client. I had done some talks on API stuff. Like I was already pretty ingrained in in a set of communities. And so when I came in, I wasn't necessarily starting from scratch. And we kind of looked for people, you know, who have existing footholds within communities that can go out and sort of, you know, start from there and and work out from their existing network. So uh, 
when I by the time I came to Runscope, I had that network had expanded dramatically from Twilio, from Ift, and from working in all these different with all these different API providers. And so, you know, we started with a tool that we were going to use, but then we went to a community we already knew, and so that really has helped us. Uh, you know, bootstrap that that first set because uh, when I joined Twilio, they already had uh, you know a significant number of registered developers, uh, and we I think we you know 15 exited or something like that while I was there. But going from zero to that and getting that first chunk is a, a significantly harder challenge. So for us, it was just let's start with what we know, let's start with the people we know, let's start with the problems we know, and then we don't have to make up as much or try to figure out our way as much. If we build good tools and we know that we're using them every day, we know there are other developers out there like us uh, that we can reach. So part of that is, like you mentioned, request bins. So one of the things we we were inspired by was some open source projects that existed that we used a lot when we were supporting Twilio customers. So uh, two really big ones were request bin, which is requestb.in, and then hurlit, so h-u-r-l.it. Uh, we use this all the time to help our customers understand what their code was generating or to, you know, hurlit, give them a tool to poke the API. And so uh, if you go into Runscope, you will see very clearly that we were inspired by those uh, but one of the things we wanted to do was if you go to Hurlit and you use Hurlit, you automatically know how Runscope works. Like you are the most qualified uh, and already sort of pre-educated lead that we could possibly get. You have self-identified as being somebody that's a great fit for our tooling. And so what we what we did is uh, with RequestBin, we went to Jeff Lindsay, who's a, you know, he worked at Twilio with us and a friend of ours and said, hey, you know, we really want to make this, you want to redesign it. We want to, you know, maintain it. It was going down a little bit. We want to make sure it stays up and like really invest in it. And so uh, what we did is we ended up acquiring it from him because it was such a good lead source from us. And it actually turned out to be even way better than we expected it would ever be. Uh, and so after that, that happened, we went to Twilio, who was, um, who owned Hurlit. Uh, and the reason Twilio owned it is because while I was there, I bought it from Leah Culver. Uh, <laughs> I actually expensed it. I didn't ask anybody for permission. I just bought this website and uh, put it on an expense report, uh, and it worked out thankfully. But Twilio had had sort of you know let it neglected a little bit, not a bad way, just shifting priorities. And we said to Twilio, "Hey, you know." We, we want to make this better. We want to keep it up and running. We want to, you know, invest in it. Uh, it'll be better for your customers and it'll be better for our customers. And so, you know, we took over Hurlit from Twilio as well. And so now we have these two really great lead generation sources where people have already self-identified as understanding APIs, having identified with, you know, needing the visibility to see traffic in or out. And really the transition from that to a Runscope account is, is very small. And so uh, I think, those two investments have been probably one of the smarter decisions that we've made along the way for reaching developers. Somebody said to me that tools are the new eBooks. If that's the case, then we have a lot of eBooks. <laughs> when Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. So um, tell us a little more about that process um, of lead generation and how you convert them over to Runscope. Are you just... Uh, hoping that they click the Runscope link when they're on the sites? Are you capturing any information about them? Um, tell us how that works. Sure. So we don't require signups or registration on those sites. Um, 
one of the reasons is is when we started RunScope, we went to API providers and said, "Hey, we have this great tool for your customers. You, it's free. They should, you know, you should link to us." And they're like, "Nah, we don't really like the, you know, the sign up. The, you know, it feels like, you know, you have to have two services in order to use our one. And we're already linking to request bins, so that's free and there's no sign up. So we like, why would we change? So instead of getting them to link to us, we just bought request bin." Um, and so now we have the link, but the sites are, we, we put them under this, this banner called, uh, community projects. And so th- they're free, no registration. Uh, if you go to our site and our developer guide, you can see the three or four of them that we have. Uh, there's just a run scope header and the, uh, or a run scope link in the header. And then the bottom half of the page just gives you a brief overview of the product. Now, for the most part, that does a really great job of converting people again, cause they're so highly qualified that, uh, seeing run scope is, is a really easy, you know, low friction transition from those tools uh but we also wanted to sort of maximize you know the audience that we get from those and so uh we actually tag them with you know a retargeting tag and then we advertise run scope to them throughout the the rest of the internet so uh those are some of our best performing uh ads that we do by far and are you able to see i see you have a the links tagged at the bottom of the page are you able to compare um who signs up on the first visit there versus who signs up after being retargeted from there uh, yeah, we, we definitely have a, we, we, we track the difference, right? So if you just click straight through, uh, it shows up in our customer dashboard as like partner request bin or partner hurl it. Whereas if you come through one of the ad com- campaigns, it gets tagged with that ad campaign, but the campaigns are scoped to specific audiences. Yeah. So we, we have a fairly good idea of who came from where and like what the, the conversion is. So w- one of the things that we do is, so we have these, a couple other community sites, API digest, API jobs, API change log. Um, embed curl. I think that's all of them that we run. Uh, some of those I was doing before RunScope and sort of rolled them in. Uh, some of them were less successful, right? So like API jobs and API changelog were really great, interesting sites, but didn't convert customers for us a lot. So we actually found better homes for those. And those are in the midst of being uh, transitioned over to new owners. So we're going to continue supporting and sponsoring them, but it just wasn't worth it for customer acquisition to keep maintaining those. Whereas I think the new owners will find a lot more value in, in the audiences that they uh, you know pull in from those sites. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode. I wanted to take a minute to thank CodeShip for sponsoring the show. CodeShip makes continuous deployment simple and easy, and we've actually been happy customers of theirs for a very long time. You should go to codeship.io slash rocketship to check out videos and tutorials all about how you can start using CodeShip to deploy your product in a better way. Enjoy the rest of the episode. So have you acquired all of these uh, side projects or have you built any of them from scratch? So we built, uh, well, we've acquired Hurlit and RequestBin. We built uh, API ChangeLog and Embed Curl. I built those on as weekend projects. Uh, when you're the CEO and you want to code, it's better if it's as a side project and <laughs> not, not so much as a... a uh, engineer infuriating, terrible CEO code. Yeah, um, well, I mean, I ask because I know that even the small side projects ends, end up snowballing um, and balancing all these things on the side. I mean, if they're if they're your primary source of lead generation and it's super qualified, that's amazing. Um, but I think the struggle with a lot of people is these side projects don't perform as well and they end up taking a ton of time. Um, how did how do you really optimize that? Yeah, I mean, and I think that's exactly what we saw with API changelog because to me that was probably the most interesting one. If you if you rely on a third party API, there are a lot of changes that happen um, that 
aren't even technical. A lot of policy changes that only show up in like the rewording of a sentence in an API docu- you know, document. And like a lot of the companies don't surface that in any way. They only tell you, hey, this parameter is now this. They don't say that you know, your your license to a certain specific set of data is changed without, you know, uh, they just don't represent that in their change logs, right? And so API changelog did a straight scrape of the docs and then did uh, an HTML comparison. So you could see very clearly when the meaning of a sentence would change. And I thought that one was really interesting. I had really high hopes for that. And uh, it just turned out that the the type of audience that attracted just were not necessarily a RunScope customer. And so... Uh, what we did is we found somebody else who that was a better fit for and said, hey, you know, we already got the site. It's already up and running. It pretty much just needs a little bit of time to review the changes every week. You know, I'll just transfer you the Heroku um, project and you can rebrand it as whatever you want. And so that was a really easy transition. So, you know, we definitely watch to see from the community sites which ones are converting and which ones aren't. And we'll continue to prune them uh as as needed i think the one thing we have found is that the utilities outperform the content pretty significant significantly so like api jobs is a jobs board specifically for api integrators or api builders and uh it's basically a content site and it just doesn't do very well for giving us customers whereas hurl it request bin solve a problem on the spot and that problem is mirrored very well in our product and so those convert significantly higher and and i mean percentage wise and you know absolute numbers wise yeah so something we've been doing lately with these talks has been trying to turn the the microphone or the camera around on us and seeing if if you know you can help out at all with hook feed or with michael's product branisty um off the top of your head i mean we're on some level selling to developers but also um marketers but is there anything that comes to mind for what we could do to reach developers better, whether that be tools or, um, you know, early, early things you could do to get developers to know about you and to support you? Actually, um, I would love to jump in here because we're actually rolling out an API um, for Brandisty. And it's an image API where you give us an image and we return the image, we convert it and deliver it in, in any size. Um, I would love any feedback into um, how we might be able to reach that developer community. Largely, we're marketing to designers right now and we're going to have to make a huge switch. So I'd love any insight on that. Um, interesting. So uh, it says used by Bolt. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they used to work in our office. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, no way. Yeah. They're, yeah, yeah. they're designer. Um, our tour. He signed up. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, we've kind of gone back and forth for a while now, actually. Yeah. Good guy. Sorry. We, you can edit this out. Andrew, we worked with him for years at Twilio. And so, uh, he used to rent a room from us in the office. He was just here like a moment ago. So Twilio is almost like its own incubator. It seems like <laughs> we, we have a pretty significant, um, alumni group now a lot of founders <laughs> and a lot of like really high level startup employees have really That's come out of pretty twilio. awesome yeah um i think it actually says a lot about twilio i think twilio did a really great job at, at selecting or like identifying you know people who were leaders and like sort of like you know that work at the top end of, of organizations so um i'm glad that we <laughs> uh are surrounded by such a good alumni group it, it makes us all look good as a whole <laughs> yeah <That's>... um, so <laughs> Uh, so anyway, so about your API. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I tend to take a very sometimes contrary position on, on API marketing. And 
I don't actually think you need to market to developers. So if you're saying that designers are already your, uh, you know, your sweet spot, uh, that's probably like a good place to keep focusing and let them work out how to use the API or find the person to help them do the API integration, right? So um, it's really tricky to, to give a developer and say, hey, here's a tool if it doesn't solve some very specific problem they're having. So the developer has to actually identify with your problem if you're going to try to get them the API. It can't just be like uh, uh, giving them the tool that solves somebody else's and their organization's problem. What you have to do is you have to reach the people in the organization whose problem you actually underline solve and then uh, let them work backwards to the developers. So I'm, that means you should still have a really great developer experience and great API docs and, you know, uh, you know, a reliable, easy to use API. But uh, I don't, I'm not necessarily of the opinion that the developer is the way for every API to reach penetration into a company. It's usually you have to find the person who, whose problem you solve. So these designers can go to the developers in their companies and say, hey, you know, we love that we love this tool and we really want to extend it. They told us to use the API. Can you help us with that? And now uh, those two people are aligned, right? They're both aligned on that problem. And the developer will come to you and not have a bad experience. Interesting. Yeah. And I love that answer because that saves me a ton of marketing. effort. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's so true. You, you still do have to stick with the with the pain. Um, so that makes a, a ton of sense. Um, when you talk about like a, a good API doc, um, who are some people that you guys have kind of uh, even looked to for inspiration there? Um, I think, you know, Twilio is, to me is like sort of the original like amazing API docs to the extent that people will use you just for their documentation. Uh, I mean, it was what drew me to Twilio was when I first found out about them. You know, five minutes later, I had sent my message and then, uh, you know, I had the full API doc. I mean, I just read every word on their, in their API doc, right? It was like, uh, it was marketing to a developer and I didn't even realize it at the time that the docs are essentially marketing material for developers. And so, uh, since then, you know, I think Twilio has made a lot of improvements. I mean, that was part of the things that I worked on there and I unfortunately didn't stay long enough to, to do a lot of what I wanted to do with it. But the team sense has done a really great job at, uh, you know, adding examples for all the SDKs and reorganizing and making it more clear. Um, I think Stripe has amazing API docs. You'd be hard pressed to find somebody that doesn't like their API docs. Uh, GitHub does a really good job. They really keep theirs up to date really easily or really, really uh, consistently. And let's see a couple others that I liked. Um, There's probably a longer list of ones that I don't like, but I'm not going to name names on those. (laughs) Yeah, look to Stripe, Michael. They're just so good. Awesome. It's unbelievable. And to the point where you're looking through and they're giving you code samples of, you know, what to run to simulate these different endpoints. And they put your test mode key right in there. So you can literally just copy and paste into terminal or into oh, Ruby. Oh, no way. And I mean, it's totally tailored to you. You're logged into the page. So it's oh, actually, that's cool. they do something really interesting. I discovered when we wrote uh, the scraper for API change log of the Stripe docs, if you come to the site as an anonymous user and you go to their API docs and you copy and paste uh, any of the the examples, uh, there's sort of a shadow account that's created for every anonymous user. So you can actually like start making requests and see that state reflected across sample requests, even if you haven't created an account yet. So like they've taken this idea of like, okay, we'll autofill it with your keys, but let's just assume that you, you will, will give you an account even if you don't have one so that all of these examples will work consistently all the way through. Yeah. Yeah, they probably did that on their homepage too. They used to have um, that little curl box. Kind of looks like your embed curl. 
where you just copy and paste, and before even signing up for Stripe, you'd already run a test mode charge. Yep. Yeah, that's that's actually something I hadn't thought of. Um, that's really cool. I'm going to look into how we can we can do that. The other thing I would say is if the API is not central to what you're doing and the docs, if you're not going to offer API as a service, for instance, um, a tool like Apiary, uh, API, A-R-Y.io can help you like make really good API docs that are interactive and like you can drop keys into and that you can update easily and maintain. And so if, if it's not core to your service, or even if it is, um, you know, Apiary might be a good solution for sort of getting that first pass at API docs out there and something that's a little bit more maintainable without having to start from scratch. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm actually mocking them up in HTML right now. So the um, maintainability might be low as we, <laughs> as we grow this thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny that you mentioned, John, that you, um, that you read the Twilio docs and that they are marketing for developers because when I think back, when I'm thinking about using a service, whether it's... Um, let's say urban airship for push notifications or Stripe before you sign up, you're reading through the docs and you can get a feel pretty quickly, whether you think it's a, uh, a reliable service or how easy it'll be to integrate. And a lot of times that decides whether or not I'll sign up for something. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can tell if somebody's put effort into their API docs, they've probably put effort into the API, uh-huh. but if they, if they haven't put it, if you're like downloading a PDF, like, what does that tell you about, like, the level of rigor that they're putting into all of their work, right? Is the is the API itself going to be this sort of uh, unintuitive and, and cumbersome to work with? Or is it just the documentation? So, like, you want to, so, like, I'm like a 13-year-old girl. So, like, you want to <laughs> make sure your API docs are all, like, good and stuff. <laughs> You're saying put stickers on them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the only uh, API docs I've ever downloaded the PDF of were... Amazon for oh what service it was like a fulfillment service and it was the worst API I've ever used so it's probably a good indicator if somebody's not making their API docs public they're probably ashamed of them and that should just tell you everything you need to know about the API yeah well awesome this has been great um could you let everyone know where they can keep up with you online Sure. So I'm pretty much everywhere. Uh, the most important place is runscope.com. Get your free account. Uh, if you like hearing me blather on about APIs, we actually have a, a API and cloud uh, podcast called trafficandweather.io. Get it? Traffic and weather, uh, API and cloud. Uh, and so we... we that's with uh, Steve Marks, who works at Dropbox. Uh, we have a very irreverent take on APIs. We like to record for some reason. <laughs> so uh, we do that every once in a while. That's a lot of fun. And then I'm on Twitter at John Sheehan. So J-O-H-N-S-H-E-E-H-A-N. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks, John. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you haven't yet, pop open iTunes and subscribe to be notified of future episodes. We have some really great ones lined up. And while you're there, leave us a review. We really appreciate each and every one of them. Thank you.